Hello, welcome to this week's episode of From Creation to Close. My name is Christina Dolan, and today we have Andy Bailey in studio with us. Andy is a public speaker, entrepreneur, author, and certified coach at Petra. His new book, No Try, Only Do, explores building a business around purpose, alignment, accountability, and is available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. My co-host here with me today is Justin Williams, account executive at Snapshot Interactive. Welcome, Justin. Thanks, Christina. It's always fun being here, especially for today's interview. I find Andy particularly fascinating. Just a really smart, driven guy. Excited to, I know, get get a little bit more knowledge, learn a little bit more. Yeah, I completely agree. So with that, welcome, Andy. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm pumped. Everyone everyone got here all right? Yeah, a little bit of traffic, but oh, no okay. big deal. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> it's Nashville. We're used to it. <laughs> all right, well, we'll just jump right in. Um, preparing for this interview, I was, of course, doing a little bit of research on you, and I read that you actually started a business in college that you grew into an Inc. 500 multi-million dollar national company that you then successfully sold and, and exited. So that is crazy impressive. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that whole experience and what it was like and well, what it was? I don't know how much time we have on this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. 1993. Neither one of you were alive in 1993. In the attic of my home, the pool table became the inventory room. Pagers. Did you guys ever have a pager? Yep. You did? No, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I was born in 81. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. So you remember pagers and so forth. So you had to pull over on the side of the road and put your quarter in. And mostly it was, Yeah. you still had to do you that. You had to like turn a crank and... Yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. Back in the dark ages in the right. golden... There was a horse, there. there was a buggy, there was, it was the whole thing. So my, my career started in the cellular business. And I was a 1099 contract salesperson. Did very, very well. The challenge was I had to wake up every day and continue to go sell. 1099 contract salesperson, I was in the cellular telephone business, did incredibly well. I was a senior in college and made a ton of money. I was making about a quarter of a million dollars a year as a salesperson uh, and as a college student, which was crazy. Yeah, you know, college students don't need to make a quarter of a million dollars a year. Um, the challenge was I would never take any time away. So if I took a week off to go do something or a couple of days, all I had in my head was it's costing me money, it's costing me money. So I, I wanted to do something with recurring revenue, something that people would subscribe to and pay for over the course of time that you could sell once and get paid for. And the company I was working with kind of messed around with pagers a little bit, had a few of them, not a lot. Um, and I saw that as a revenue stream, something I could go sell once and create a revenue stream. Now, the interesting part is you walk away from this huge income and you go sell all the stuff that you bought with your huge income that you've had for a couple of years, your your boat and your jet ski and your really nice Tahoe and you, you buy a you know, Chevy S10 that's five years old and you, to fund your little kind of startup business because you have zero revenue day one. So I started this paging company in the upstairs of the attic of the home. My girlfriend at the time was the first employee. I ended up being my wife. Thank God. <laughs> grew that with a few employees. Ultimately grew that little business to about 30,000 subscribers for pagers in a very, very short period of time. And if you know you, you did this, you had a pager, you quickly moved from a pager to a cell phone. Well, so did the 30,000 users of pagers at the time. So that business you know, peaked in 97, 98, 99, and quickly you know, diminished. And we had to shift into you know, cell phones and then shift into software and then shift into overseas importing and a lot of other things that we did over time. So we ran that business from 93 until 2011. Wow. When I, you know, ultimately exited. So it was an 18 year run, reinventing myself in the business about every 18 months. 
Wow. Yeah, it was. It's one of those types of businesses that you don't sustain it for long. It, it just technology changes so fast, especially wireless technology, yeah. that you got to figure out what's next, what's next, what's next. Just hearing you you talk about that, um, the reinventing yourself, I guess, or reinventing the business every eighteen months. Was Petra something that was sort of in the back of your no, mind no, no, as no, part no, of that no, process? No, no. So okay. After all that, yeah, you, you exit the one business, you start a new one, you, you founded Petra. Where did that idea come from? And um, just for our listeners who might not be familiar, talk a little bit about Petra and what exactly you all do. Right, so I'll go back to 2004-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm running this company, we're very successful, Inc. 500 as you mentioned, got a bunch of team members doing incredibly well, um, and I was way frustrated, like frustrated to the point where I'd pull up in the parking lot in the morning and like, I don't want to go in here today. I don't want to be around these people. I don't want to do this anymore. So I kind of built myself this box that I couldn't escape from. And I think every entrepreneur has that experience at some point if they're not very, very thoughtful in creating what they want with their business and what they want with their life. You know, you guys have been around me enough. You know, that's what I espouse all the time to you as well. Um, and it's because I lived it. So in 2004, I met Vern. Vern Harness wrote, at the time, Rock, The Rockefeller Habits which is essentially an operating system for running a company. Uh, unfortunately, when you, as an entrepreneur, you begin a company, there's not a manual for how to go do that. Right. This is as close to that as I'd ever seen. And I went to a workshop that he did here in Nashville, uh, learned a little bit about the Rockefeller Habits. I was in EO at the time, Entrepreneurs Organization. I'd been a member since 97. Um, the next year, in 2005, I went to MIT, where there was a three-year program that you could sign up for. It's called Birthing a Giants. And it was one of Vern's programs. So he, he was the first speaker. We really delved into implementing the Rockefeller Habits. So over the course of that period of time, from 2004 to 2008, I was doing what you guys have done in your business, right? I was implementing all these systems and processes and practices and working on myself as a leader and working on my team and you know getting people to own things, not me just own things, and understanding that I needed to get out of the way, all the stuff that's in the books, right? We, we, did, we were very successful in implementing that. And it gave me back my freedom as a leader of the organization. We were able to scale even more. Um, and that was one of the reasons that we were ultimately successful in the exit as well. So we, we literally could just hand a binder to the buyer and say, do this and you'll be successful. Now, I knew what worked for me. And most entrepreneurs or most business owners, when they exit a company, you know, it comes along with a check, right? So you get paid for your company. Um, and a lot of folks spend some time thinking about what do they want to do next? So I made myself a promise when I sold the company, I was not gonna make any big decisions for 12 months. So for one year, I wasn't gonna you know, start anything or take on anything or go to work anywhere or do anything any different. Um, but I wanted to stay active. So I volunteered with EO. I became the global membership director, traveled all over the world working with a bunch of EO members. Um, I, a few of my friends called and said, hey, can you help me implement that stuff that you've been doing over there? That Rockefeller habit stuff, and I worked with two or three companies very, very early, 2011 early, mm-hmm. just kind of going in and helping them. They paid me a few dollars, very few dollars, <laughs> um, to, to work with them. My idea was I'll go hang out with a bunch of businesses, you know, 10, 15, 20, be around a bunch of entrepreneurs worldwide, and this big light will shine down on what I need to go do next. Well, I got so much energy and satisfaction from helping other people grow their organizations 
and watching that individual change as a human being, I was like, I need to go do that. That's, that became my kind of big light. And once that was exposed to me, I wanted to come back and build an organization. But I didn't, I made myself not make that decision for a year. That's really key. No decisions for a year. And if anybody's listening that has sold a company or exited a business, the minute that you're out, the phone starts ringing. Like the world knows that you're available. So they start calling and saying, hey, I got this thing. It's been on the shelf for a long time. I got this idea. I need somebody to run it. Will you come over and do this? You know, would you like to partner on something? So I had to say no to a whole lot of stuff in that 12-month period. Oh, gosh. We'll, uh, we'll know what that's like eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, of course. What is the – just give me, give, me, give me a 12 – something that happened in that 12 months. Like um, not an opportunity that was missed, but I mean like how did you distract yourself from engaging in all the phone calls? Like people were calling, throwing opportunities at you other than intention. I mean, well, did you take up fishing? Did you like, did okay. you, yeah. There's two answers. The first is, I'm sorry, I told myself I wouldn't do anything for a year, mm-hmm. you know, make no big decisions. So, you know, in a year, if, if I'm still haven't made a choice, I might look at it. So that's an easy answer to all those questions. Okay. I made a promise to myself and I wasn't going to change that. I'm a paddle boarder. So I, you know, I stand up paddle and have for about a decade, I guess. So I did spend, I think I was, I have a place down on the Gulf Coast in, cool. outside of, in watercolor. So I went down there like 12 weeks that year. Oh my I spent a lot, you know, but I would go down, fly down or drive down and spend a lot of time at the beach. Neat. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you were actually, I was going to ask you to dive in a little bit more to what the Rockefeller habits are for people who aren't truly familiar, but I'd like to piggyback because you were referencing the EO as well a bunch. So if you could explain a little bit about what that is. Sure. EO is Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a global organization of entrepreneurs. There's uh, about 14,000 members today spread all across the planet, 150, 155 chapters. I'm a little bit disconnected this past couple of years just because I've been growing this organization. Every diverse background you can possibly imagine. And if, you know, if you're listening and you're an entrepreneur, you need to check it out because it's your tribe. I remember the first time that I walked into a, you know, a monthly meeting and I, I felt not alone anymore. And as an entrepreneur, you think you're the only person that has all these struggles and thoughts and fears and, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing and all the things that goes along with it, but all these people have the exact same stuff, baggage and everything else. Mm-hmm. So you're just kind of your tribe. We meet once a month. There's always a social and a learning component. And then it's broken down into these forums. Uh, I'm in the Nashville chapter, always have been. There's 220 or so members in Nashville, which is a very, very big chapter. Uh, and they're broken down into forums that meet on a, on a monthly basis, six to 12 individuals that are all business owners. Very confidential environment where you can come in and really, really go deep and share what's going on in your business or personal, and they help solve those challenges. Uh, ultimately, they, you know, these people just become your best friends on the planet. Do they all follow the Rockefeller habits? <laughs> well, they're all, most of them are familiar with it because Vern was one of the founding members that started the whole organization. So if you if you are an EO member, you probably know about the Rockefeller habits. You guys have been doing it as an organization at Snapshot for a while now. As you know, it's not an easy thing to do. Neither is most things that are rewarding. I would say most EO members do parts of it or pieces of it. Some do it really, really well. Some don't do it really well. Some don't do it at all. So 
I'm going to take it back a little bit. Um, so before the first business that you started, before college, did you always, did you just grow up with those entrepreneur-like tendencies? Did you always want to be your own boss kind yeah, of thing? Sure. Were you one of those kids, you know, starting your own lemonade stand kind of thing at like the age of two? Uh, maybe maybe not two, but close. <laughs> um, very rebellious. Like I did not like being told what to do in any regard. So we, we as entrepreneurs sometimes will say we're unemployable, which is very, very true. <laughs> I can remember, and this isn't the stories actually in the book, I can remember stacking all my books on my little red flyer wagon and going around the neighborhood and selling them door to door. It infuriated my mother. <laughs> I can remember when I lived in Charleston, my friends and I would go out and climb these big tall pine trees that they had and we'd pull mistletoe out and put them in little baggies and sell them for a dollar door to door at Christmas time. Smart. Genius. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Genius is pretty stupid in climate <laughs> trees. Um, get up the price a little bit. I mean, yeah, well. High, I mean, high yeah. demand season whatever. Yeah, yeah. fresh mistletoe. Yeah. Uh, we weren't getting rich on it, but we could, you know, go to the store and buy some stuff about it. And then normal, you know, cutting grass and all that stuff. I've always been a nothing is beneath me. And I know that's one of your core values as well is type of person that would do whatever it took to get the job done. So, the, you know, the cutting the grass, the all those odd jobs growing up as a little kid um, did all that stuff. It's really cool. You know, as you grow in business, as you start to, I guess, uh, harness that drive to just constantly be creating a job or, or finding a solution that you want to bring to market, the more you interact with companies that are doing this, is there a common thread that you find you know, across that broad group. You know, you mentioned EO and how that's like your tribe. Obviously, those are all very different people from all different walks of life trying to make it happen. When you go in as Petra and you're solving some real challenges for organizations, I get that they're probably in a lot of different verticals. So Tons. is there a common denominator? Sure, or? you're sitting right here. So to me, the common denominator is the human being, the people, right? Every business has people. I haven't found one yet that didn't have people, right? <laughs> so if I, they could do, you know, the industry doesn't matter, the product doesn't matter, the service doesn't matter. It takes individual human beings to run companies. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, that I was not good at was the people side. That was what I had been frustrated with. And it wasn't them that was doing anything. It was me. And I had to go through, uh, you know, some big-time changes and looking in the mirror and I constantly have to do that. I have to catch myself. Most entrepreneurs, they are not good leaders. And okay. they just they just they're really good practitioners. They're good at one thing or maybe a few things. They're not good at everything. Sure. But they're just really damn good at something. So they go into business and they grow it through brute force for a period of time, bring on a bunch of people and they find themselves in a the spot like oh crap, now I got all these people. And I gotta get them to do stuff. I'm really good at this. I need some other people to do this. And they just, they're not good at getting people to, at inspiring people to go do things that need to be done. And you see that in some of the work that we do. Sure. Actually, Thanks. that's interesting. And it makes me think, um, this week we were at the NBJ Small Business Awards, which I believe Petra's a winner as well. So congratulations. Yeah. But we were there and one of the speakers was talking about when he acknowledged that he was the one holding his company back. And I just thought it was an interesting concept because like you said, he was probably really good at getting it to a certain place. But then he got it to a place and he was like, I can't get it further than this. I need to know when to step out and bring someone else in who can bring it that next level, which I think is really fascinating. But 
that's just my own little anecdote. Yeah, we see that. We've got companies today. We've coached companies that have transitioned to a new leader. We have companies we're working with today that are, you know, on the search for new leadership. And it's strictly for that fact. You know, the the person that's in the seat, they can only get it so far and they need another skill set to get it to, you know, if it's a 20 million to get it to 50 or 100. Yeah. Okay, well, let's um, let's switch gears and talk about your book, which is very exciting. Um, no Try, Only Do. Love that title. Love the mantra. Um, and I especially love your dedication to your wife. That picture in the book is beautiful, by the way, of her. So where did the idea for this book come from? I, I mean, I'm sure it was just, you know, everyday life, but I didn't know if there was one specific, like, spark that happened, and you were like, this should be a book. Um, and just in general, you know, what's the process like writing a book? Writing a book is very difficult. I was on a call today with a guy who's calling me about coaching and wants to be a coach. So I'm, you know, talking through all the stuff and he's asking all this, the questions. So I can tell you that what made me write the book was I was tired of telling the story. <laughs> and that sounds horrible to say, like, you yeah. know, people, ask, but I get asked the same questions all the time. Think smarter, not harder. Yeah. So or if I can, if I can write it down and <laughs> something, write it down and publish it in something, I can send you the book and go, look, just read the book. It'll tell you all the same stories and how we got to where we are. I met Adam Witte at Advantage Media in Charleston, South Carolina, probably two years ago, two and a half years ago. Adam was at a conference that we were at, and I kind of chatted with him in the back. And it started with, we've written probably, I don't know, 150 blogs over the last five years. So I went to Adam and I said, hey man, I got 150 pieces of content, can I just turn this into a book? Because he was he's a publisher. And he's like, yeah, we could do that, we, you know, that would be a really cool thing and we can do that, but what about your story? Could you?" put your story in a book and, and I was like yeah I mean I can do that and he, he's got a whole process that you follow for publishing and so forth so I didn't have to go figure those pieces out they had step one step two step three step four so Advantage is the pub- publisher over there he walked me through the process had a ton of phone calls worked with a lot of editors worked with a lot of design people it took about a year and a half from the time that we started the process until it was you know in hand felt like a long period of time but there was a lot of iteration after iteration after iteration. The other thing I'll say about the book is it's never finished. Like I could still be editing that thing, (laughs) but there's a point you just have to say, it's got to get out there. So let's just stop. Yeah. What's that? I think actually Mark Scrivener, Snapshot CEO, he has a a little mantra he lives by where it's like, just get it to 90% because you are not going to be satisfied ever, but get it to what your 90% is and everyone else is going to think it's awesome. And it's pretty scary. I mean, it's a scary thing to sit down and write there's some fairly vulnerable stuff in that book and you're like oh are people gonna think what are they gonna think when they read it and so forth that's powerful though vulnerability is good yeah vulnerability connects give me give come on give give me a nugget give give our listeners just like (laughs) just give them something good give them like one takeaway what's one thing you want somebody listening today to take away from the book that might tease them to go read the whole thing I got a friend of mine from New York sent me a t-shirt today and it says frog on it. <laughs> and you know, I was like, cool. It was a cool shirt, cool looking <laughs> shirt too, but I'll wear it to the gym tonight. And, and he sent me a note and, you know, and he says, Hey man, I appreciate your brother. And, you know, he wrote frog on there and it says, uh, uh, forever, uh, reaching our goals, frog. So, and I was like, that's really cool. And I think that is, and that's what the book talks a lot about. Yeah. And it's how I now, not always have done this, but now over the last decade plus a little bit, and certainly for the last five years, if you're going to go out into the world and teach other people to do stuff, you better be really good at it yourself, right? A lot of people don't do that. They 
teach other people, but they don't live it themselves. So I've gotten really, really intentional uh, about forever reaching my goals. I think people can do things beyond what they think they can do if they will just get really good at setting clear objectives, you know, writing down a plan to do them and then go do the work. And it's not that difficult to do, but it just takes some effort and energy on a consistent basis. Cool. Thanks. You mentioned a friend, you know, in New York and it got me thinking about, you know, you're killing it in Nashville. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're helping businesses reach their full potential. Snapshot's obviously one of them. Question is, what other cities, what other markets are you in that you, that you think are on fire that you are putting a lot of your energy into and you feel are really growing some incredible organizations? Uh, we we kind of go where the, where the call comes from. Mm-hmm. We're all over North America, a lot of work in Canada. So we're you know, up in Calgary and Montreal and Toronto. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. You know, we're in Washington State and California and Florida. And if we looked at like a heat map of the U.S. or even North America, we'd be heavily concentrated in Texas, Tennessee, obviously, hmm. heavily concentrated in Texas. We have a, an office in Houston and you know, a couple of coaches, one in Phoenix and one in, in uh, San Antonio. Okay. So those guys are you know, doing a lot of work in that kind of central region. We have a lot of work up in the Philadelphia area. So Philly, right. Pennsylvania, Lancaster, around New York, New Jersey, Delaware. So we, for whatever reason, we just kind of picked up a bunch of work from up there and then peppered all over the place in between. Work with 80, I think there's 84, 85 companies we work with active today, have worked with close to 200 over the last five years. Jeez. Snapshot's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> We're awesome. They're um, awesome. Yeah, totally. Well, that's really interesting. I, the Canada thing is surprising. Yeah. I don't know why. I, like, forget about Canada, and I shouldn't because I think it's amazing, and I have family who live there. Oh, my god! I hope they don't listen to this. Sorry, me. I, mean, I hope they do. <laughs> I hope so. Um, well, okay, anyways, uh, that is amazing. I'm going to bring it a little bit more towards the business side. This podcast is called From Creation to Close, meaning the creation of branded materials that, you know, so we talk to writers, designers, videographers, everyone in that portion of the process. And then we talk to people like marketers and salespeople who are involved in taking those materials and closing deals and growing their business. So I was curious, you know, at Petra and in your business, how your internal team does this. You know, if if you have an idea how do you go about getting the materials you need created, and then how do you implement them? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> We're still a small business ourselves, so, and when a, a lot of the, you know, if there's entrepreneurs listening to this, they'll understand this clearly. And if you've started been around a startup or a small business, you'll understand it clearly as well. You know, when you start, everybody kind of wears different hats, right? So, you know, everybody does everything until you get to a place where you can, you know, this is your role, and you're going to print the stuff, and you're going to write the stuff, and you're going to do the thing. So today we're still in that kind of small business atmosphere. We do outsource a lot of that work. You know, generally the ideas will, will come from me, and I'll write the content and kind of scratch some stuff on a piece of paper. Bradford does quite a bit of the content writing as well, so we'll go to those guys to help us with some of those pieces. We have an outsourced graphics person, and he's in Texas, and I'll send it to him, and we call it Petrify It. So <laughs> you know, we'll scratch it on a piece of paper, or, you know, do something very simple and. You know, I sent it to this guy, and we've been working with him for probably close to five years. So he just kind of gets what I want, and he sends it back. I'm like, that's perfect. You know, and sometimes <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I send it send it back with a couple of little tweaks to it. But 
we think about what, what the, we want the end result to be and then start working through what do we need to do to create something, whether it be a, you know, a hard piece or an online piece. And then obviously work with Snapshot quite a bit on the web and the video production. So would you say it starts more like the idea that comes first or is it more like, you know, this is a goal I have, you know, I, I want to bring this many people to our website. So what should we do? What's the campaign we can run? Or is it more like, hey, I saw this really cool ad the other day. I think we could do something similar and still drive results. But, you know, it's sort of like the chicken and the egg thing there. I think it depends on what piece of the business. And this would be from, you know, just my, not necessarily all my experience in business, but the people that we work with, too. So, you know, we have a ton of exposure to other companies. So I think it depends on, um, you know, what piece of the company and what type of advertising or what type of media that you're talking about. Certainly there's a lot of, hey, I saw this, it would be cool, and it might you know, have this impact. Um, when we do planning with companies, we set out targets, this is where we want to go, and then we back into it. What do we need to do to get there? So my bigger answer is begin with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey said, and then work backwards to see what you need to create to get yourself there. But there's an unlimited supply of, hey, that's cool. I saw this. You need to see, you know, really see if it's going to help you get to your end result, or if it's just something cool that Steve had. And now you want it. I see so many really emotional, like Visa commercials, or like some some other random, you know, brand like that. And you you watch the whole commercial and you get to the end of it and you're like, oh my god, that was such a tearjerker. What was that brand? And yeah. I'm like, I, I see that a lot, and I have that like, ooh, I want to go do that in our marketing, and you know, you know, do something heart wrenching, and I'm like but wait a minute, I didn't even remember what that brand was. <laughs> that might be silly. Take a step back from that idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for being here sure. today. I, I wouldn't miss it. I have a, I have a final question uh, around young entrepreneurs. You have this look on your face. This would be a really good question. Well, it's, it's not. I mean, yes, it's going to be a fantastic question, but really I just I, – I, I want some free advice. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to get you out of a, in an invoice-free environment here. For young entrepreneurs, I spend a lot of time in an invoice-free environment. <laughs> <laughs> for young entrepreneurs, what advice do you have somebody for someone starting out? Find yourself a support network. Okay. So, you know, EO was the single most impactful thing on me personally and professionally in my life. Go join EO. Go join some, you know, one of these groups that can be around your tribe and know that you're not alone and help you get through it. The other advice would be. And my friend Jack Daly says it this way. He says, model the masters. So wherever it is that you are, find somebody that is where you want to be and simply ask him, what did you do to get there? And then go do that. There is no need to reinvent everything. Everybody's already done everything that you need to do in business unless you've got some really you know, cool inventive idea, which is totally fine, but there's 95% of your company that can be mm-hmm. you know, kind of borrowed from what other people have done. So find people that have already done those things and then just, just do what they've done. Save yourself a ton of money and energy. Thank you. Is that satisfying? Yeah. Did that, was that everything you wanted it to be? I mean, I, th- I had a follow-up question, but I think I actually answered it, so like, I'm not even going to go down that road. Well, what was it? Now I'm curious. Well, I'm just gonna say I think model the masters might have been the answer to it, but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it's just the the idea around. Yeah, is there anything you wish you had known when you first started? And I, th- I think you think you touched on it. I said this to somebody. The, I was with a group of entrepreneurs actually yesterday in Kentucky, and they were on their form retreat, an EO retreat with a, another uh, another chapter, and and I, so I can you know I'm kind of in my tribe, so I can say stuff to them, and I, and I said. <laughs> I said, you know, as an entrepreneur, if you look back over how hard it was, it goes to your question of, Mm -hmm. is there something you wish you'd known? This is something I'm glad I didn't know. 
when you start and you grow and you run a business, if you look back over that five or 10 or 15 year period, and if you knew in the beginning how freaking hard it was to get you to that place, you would never do it. You just wouldn't do it. It's just that difficult to grow a business. Now, and that's my point is I'm glad I didn't know how hard it was going to actually all the right. you know, late nights and figuring stuff out and you know, heartache and all the stuff that goes along with it. That's cool. Thank you. I'm into that. Things not that he wants to know, but yeah. he's glad he didn't. Okay, well, I think that does it for our questions. Just unless you have anything else. So, quick shout out to our sponsor, Ecos. Ecos is an amazing sales enablement tool that aligns sales and marketing teams. No more worrying about outdated content being used. And now you get even more insight when you email content to a prospect and you find what they're looking at and for how long. Go to ecosprez.com, E-C-O-S-P-R-E-Z.com to get a free tour of the tool. Thank you again, Andy, for being here today. And for everyone listening, be sure to subscribe to the podcast from creation to close. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, and newly Podbean also. So check it out. Thanks.